We're in Colossians chapter 1. We'll cover just the last three verses, but I'll start reading at verse 19. Colossians 1, 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his mighty working, uh, his working which works in me mightily. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, uh, the beauty of it, the, just the logical uh, and tight integrity of it, and Lord, more so for the fact that it, through it, you change this world, you change our hearts, and you conform this world to your desired end. We thank you for this, your gift to us. In Christ's name, amen. So we've been... Uh, in Colossians now for a few weeks, a few messages anyway, uh, the last message was a month ago, and so uh, I've read to you the last two messages plus what I'll cover today, and so the reason I wanted to say that is that this portion from verse 19 to 29 can be given these headings, Christ in place of us, us in place of Christ, and then Christ in us. So there is this uh, depth that you proceed through these 11 verses. In Ephesians 5, uh, Paul gives the analogy of marriage, and we read a portion of it in our uh, readings earlier. And so in Ephesians 5.32, Paul wrote of the two becoming one, and then he brings up that this is a great mystery. Now, your first thought is what he's speaking of is marriage, but he corrects that misunderstanding immediately. He said, I am referring to Christ and the church. So see, we sometimes get it backwards, and I think many ministers get it backwards when they're marrying couples, and that is that marriage is only an illustration. The reality is Christ and the church. And so... 
Christ and the church is at the center of this oneness, this two becoming one. And we are all, those of us that are God's children, are examples of that two becoming one. And it's about Christ being developed within us and transforming our character. In verse 27, it says, To them, and that is to his saints, to his saints God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So see, the mystery, the mysterious aspect of this is that it was long hidden. It was in the Bible, but it was kind of lying there hidden for God to later reveal it. This is the gospel. What God has hidden, the mystery he's hidden, is the fact that God is no longer apart from us he has become us. God became man such that he can form this bond, this indissoluble relationship with us. People thought of God as entirely other. God is out there somewhere. And that's why it was so appealing to deists just a few hundred years ago. But what's sad about that is that the coming of Christ changed all of that. It transformed, or should have transformed, the way we all look at God. Now, of course, it only does that in Christendom. It doesn't do that in other religions. For other religions, God is still the other, the other being that really is in many ways, most ways, totally unrelated to our world, to our existence. And yet, God has totally transformed that. He's revealed that mystery to us, that he's covenanted with us for eternity. Christ will be man forever. And it is referred to as giving us hope. The very last portion, the hope of glory. It's only this mystery being revealed that gives us hope on this earth. In verse 28, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Three times Paul repeats that phrase, every man, every man, every man. So see, it affects us all. It touches us all. Uh, hope for unbelievers comes in many forms. Many false hopes are out there. And so we have them in relationships. I'm going to be happy if or when. We have them in philosophy. Oh, now this is the great meaning of life. Uh, if only I can know these things or achieve this level of education. Uh, we are often, as unbelieving in an unbelieving world, people are often led astray in this. If I had this job, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be fulfilled. Then I'd be content. If I make this progress or experience this, if I go off to this deserted island, if I go off to this fabulous place in the world, then I'll be content, then I'll be happy. All of that intention of our lives is pushed off to some experience that we have to undergo in order to achieve what it is that we think is our life's ambition. And all of it is empty. All of it results in nothing. So see, Christians know what the world has to offer, that what the world has to offer amounts to what is nothing in the eternal sphere of things. So see, only perfection is acceptable to God and 
Are we perfect in this fallen world? No. Never apart from God. Never apart from Christ. And so we have this, this uh, belief that God will accept all and everything despite our imperfections because he loves us. No. God only accepts the perfect. And so God has to make what he accepts perfect to then allow it to enter into the hereafter. So many on this earth are fooled by that. Yes, God is a God of love, but yet God is a God of justice that requires perfection. And so only the perfect can come. So see, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. None of the imperfect will enter into heaven. To this end, and now Paul is bringing this to himself, to this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul gave everything, and really this is a great time for this message because it comes on the heel of Pastor Kaiser's last one where he talked about the success that the apostles had in bringing the gospel to the entire world. It is lost on the modern church because the modern church has distorted so much and lost so much value in the New Testament because they put everything off to some future event. But no, this was past. And he said it right here. Which was preached to every creature under heaven. Verse 23. The gospel was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. So Paul, even at this point, is saying we have been successful at what God has given us to do. It's just a remarkable, uh, 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 different perspective from what the, the church of our time believes. And we must share that truth with others. I believe in the church because that is the hope. God has perfected us. He is perfecting us, and yet his gospel has already gone throughout all the world. He's growing his church, and yet we die off. You know, with strength, we lived 80 years. And so the gospel always has to be preached to this new generation, to our children, such that they can carry on in our absence. Paul gave everything. And think about what it is that he did, how he dedicated his life. He was always making plans. He was always going places. He was always preaching in churches. He was always evangelizing on the streets. And, and when his plans were foiled, he would have to replan. And his travels were not easy. Having just read about all these uh, pioneers going west and taking months to get from St. Joseph, Missouri out to wherever they were going, whether it be Salt Lake City or Portland area or San Francisco area, it took them months to get out there. And many of them didn't. They died on the way. And so we live at a time when traveling is just taken for granted. It's so simple now to travel. When my wife and daughter just flew from Chicago to Beijing, China, they flew over the North Pole. It scares the daylights out of me to think that they're in this plane flying over the North Pole. But, you know, if you're at 36,000 feet, it doesn't matter what you're over. You're in peril. So whether you fall into the, the Nebraska, uh, you know, cornfield or in the North Pole, there isn't just a whole lot you can do to save, survive those types of things. But so, see, Paul lived at a time when travel was very dangerous. He endured those hardships, all that litany of things that he experienced. But see, that's one man 
One man and another 11 men plus the ones that they converted that were pouring themselves out to reach the world for God. And they did so. They did so within 30, 35 years. It's just remarkable. So see, God worked mightily through Paul. He claims no credit. God worked mightily through Paul, and God works, can work mightily through us. Yes, we're flesh and blood, but we are spirit, fueled by the Spirit of God, by Christ who dwells in us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this reality, this mystery that you've revealed to us in our time. We thank you so much, Father, that we exist for your glory and that you have given us this hope this hope that will last us through all the time in the flesh. You have had us to uh, enter into perfection already, seated with you in the heavenlies. And yet there is a reality of that perfection that awaits us. And so we thank you, Father, for this, that you will perfect us, you will receive us into glory. We now thank you for this meal that we have to remind us what you have done, what you are doing, and what is coming for all of us in the future. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.